It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Still Stanislas tries to cross it up towards the far post, and that could be the equaliser. It's bundled in at the far post by Long. Good work from Sorridge. After the cross from Stanislas, it's Queen's Park Rangers 1, Bournemouth 1. Hello and welcome to episode 114 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and thank you so much for all the feedback that we've been getting either putting your name to it or anonymously. It's all good and it's all trying to help us perfect what we put out, both on YouTube and also on this very audio pod. It's been a busy weekend. Queen's Park Rangers on Saturday, new managerial announcements on Sunday. There's an interesting debate to be had, right? And with this one, no bells, no whistles. We're going to go straight into it. So there was a chat that was screened on YouTube that covers both the game, but also Jonathan Woodgate's appointment. And it's myself who's joined by Jeff Hayward, Mr. Tiggs, Tom Jordan, Neil Dawson, but also Kirk Tovey. Jonathan Woodgate has been appointed by AFC Bournemouth in a short term deal. So says the website to be head coach head coach until the end of the season. It was confirmed online. Mark McAdam and Chris Temple, amongst many other journalists, had it on standby. And this is the news on the official website. It goes on to say that the 41-year-old has been caretaker manager for the Cherries' last five fixtures following the departure of Jason Tindall. In that time, Woodgate has recorded three wins, a draw and a defeat, keeping three successive clean sheets and progressing to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup for only second time in the club's history so you know they're doing all the chat beforehand to build it up Neil Blake said that Jonathan's professionalism and leadership has impressed the board of directors since taking on the role of caretaker manager in difficult circumstances it's a strange circumstance as well I've got to say we were committed to getting us back to the Premier League that was the statement and then there was 
some kind of news that there wouldn't be an internal candidate, news of Thierry Henry's interest. And it's almost like the, the default fallback. Let's just give it to Woodgate till the end of the season. Give it Giggsy. Uh, Tom Jordan's here with us. Tom, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right, sir. Not too bad. All right. Well, we're going to discuss this with the pod team today. So it's not just you. We've got Tiggs here as well. Tony, how are you? Good, Hello, buddy. You all right? Yeah, very well. Neil Dawson's here as well. Neil, you all right? Yeah, very good. Thanks. And Jeff Hayward is here too. Jeff, how are you doing? Should we have a chat? <laughs> Let's have a chat. Let's have a chat. So, Jeff, I'll come to you first. Obviously, Seem to be a little bit deflated here. And, you know, let's just say this in advance. Nothing against Woodgate at all. Nothing against him. He's, he's a manager that's put, been put in very difficult situations and, um, and circumstances. So let's just, let's just, you know, remember that. Any criticism or frustration that we may feel certainly won't be directed towards him. Let's put it that way. Jeff, shoot. Well, I, th- I think we're, uh, we're all impressed by Woodgate, the way he conducts himself. The players seem to like him. Uh, yesterday we didn't get a result but the performance was much better there seems to be a bit more motivation about the squad Um, however just reflecting on this decision it feels to me like the club have actually come to a a sense of realisation that perhaps we're not as good as we think we are does that sound familiar and maybe we were never realistically in the market for people like Henri, Wagner, John Terry, because we just really weren't as ambitious as we thought we were, or maybe we just didn't think we could pay the wages, or maybe they just weren't that bothered to come to a little club like us. And I think there's a, there's a feeling of resignation to accepting Woodgate, albeit, you know, he's done okay, but... Does it really tally with that ambition to get back into the Premier League? Uh, does it maybe feel like the club is as resigned as we are as fans, that actually this, this group of players, they ain't as good as they think they are? Yeah. Tom, in agreement? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, um, it feels like uh, my kind of fear at the start was that I wasn't convinced that um, the people at the top knew how to make footballing decisions now that Eddie's not there. Um, and that was always my fear. And um, I, I was concerned that, that would get get a few wins and just get the job, because I think any manager really would would, would take the job, but they would want a lot of money, um, you know that they would, and they'd want a significant contract. You know, they go, I'll come, but I want four years, and it would cost the club a fortune. And I think the club have realised trying to get hold of Omri and all this stuff. They thought, God, this costs a bit of money, and just giving it to Woodgate. And you know, the things they've come out and said about. Best man, you know, we've heard about best managerial CVs and world football interest in the job, and it won't be an internal appointment, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I always felt Woodgate would probably get it, um, because I just think that's, that's the safe option. It's nothing against Woodgate, like you said at the start, it's done okay, steady the ship, done what kind of he was told to do, really. Um, obviously, we lost yesterday, but he's had a, had a decent run. But I, I haven't seen a massive transformation personally on the pitch. I, I I don't think we look that good. Um, and if that was our, that was probably one of our best performances under him yesterday. And I didn't still, still didn't think it was great. Um, but yeah, it sadly, I'm not surprised, not surprised, but frustrating because um, I think we could have, it was our second chance to kind of maybe um, make a bit of a statement. And um, we've just gone to the, to the safe option and the cheap option. 
Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, from my point of view, it just felt like the interview process should be kept quiet. And there's been so much talk of Wagner, who looked as though he was pretty much had a foot in the door, and then all this talk with Henri. And surely under COVID, it's the easiest way to keep a story out of the media. There's no discreet hotel meetings in, in you know, random travel taverns off the motorway. Um, and this uncertainty, it's affected the players, as we've seen through Azmir Begovic, who said that, yeah, it's, it's hard to play when you don't really know, you know what's going to happen. And, you know, like you say, Tom... The club says that they received CVs off world-class managers. So once again, it seems to me like we're opting for a number two that coincidentally has a lower win percentage than Pulis and Henri. But let's not talk about this because Woodgate, his conditions under Borough were very different. And for us, he's shown himself to be a very dignified man and he's, he seemed to be getting some results for us so far. The proof is in the pudding. But to me... It feels no different to JT, which also was an internal appointment, which was also what the club said they weren't going to do. So I'm absolutely baffled. Neil, you heard the news a bit earlier today. What are your thoughts? I'll go for it. Yeah, I mean, so many thoughts, really. Uh, I just think, like Tom said, I think we've been incredibly badly managed from the top for quite a period now because we haven't really got anyone doing a chief executive role who's an experienced um, uh, football club chief exec. Uh, we all know you know, why he got the job. Um, and it was nothing to do with the fact that he was a, an experienced chief executive. So we've had a week to try and sort Eddie out. And uh, for whatever reason, we couldn't do it. Um, we then appointed Jason, who I think we all knew was not right for the job. And I think a lot of the players have alluded to it since. He was like JT, the, you know, the guy that cheered him up on the training ground, not a manager. Um, so you you would think there would be a contingency plan, but that obviously depends on having someone at the top who knows what they're doing. So again, we've now gone with um, something that's fallen into our lap. Um, and again, I echo what everyone said about Jonathan Woodgate. I think he's handled himself really well. I think it's really odd that had he been given the job after the Burnley game, I think I could have understood it, but the performances have got worse since then. Um, so that's, you know, that doesn't quite add up to me either. But we all know what's happened here. They put all their eggs in Thierry Henry's basket. I think they've gone so far down the road. It takes two or three weeks to get an appointment like this sorted out. It's fallen through. They've now got two choices. Do they go another two or three weeks down the road with someone else? Or do they appoint someone who's already in, in the shoes? And that's what's happened. It's just, again, just complete mismanagement at the top. It does feel like they put, well, I don't know if they put all their eggs in his basket. They probably put it in his Renault Kangoo and it's va-va-voomed off by the looks of it, Tiggs. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with Neil. It's interesting. I, I have no idea how long a process like this would normally take uh, for a football. I mean, some teams seem to get a manager in straight away, don't they? But we did say from the outset we had nothing lined up when we let JT go. So, uh, again, a little bit of a worry. But uh, the other thing about it is uh, the, the Wagner, the Wagner, 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 the uh, the way that he was kind of, if people thought that maybe he might have the job, and then Henri comes in at twenty to one in the odds, and then all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, have we been, have we been seduced by that lovely French smile? Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised as well as we've burnt some bridges with some possible candidates. You know, we had all these CVs come in. They must be looking at it thinking, hey, you know, I, I've done this, this, and this in football, but you want to go with this guy, and now you're not even going with that guy. You're going with the guy you've already got. So. Even if we wanted to go back to the well now, I wonder if some people might be thinking, would, would we really want that job? Would we really want to work with you guys? I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely bizarre. But, you know, he has got some good results, Tom. So maybe we should be focusing on the positives if we can. 
he's got some all right results. Um, I, I I think people are getting a little bit carried away because I thought Jason Tindall had some all right results. How long did we go unbeaten? We could still see on the pitch the eye test. It wasn't great, um, but we were we were the longest team in the country unbeaten. So to suggest that Woodgate's done unbelievably, I think it's a little bit too far. Don't get me wrong. I think he's done what he was um, asked to do. He steadied the ship, and um, we've ticked along. But like Neil said, we just I think we've almost got worse. So it's a, it's it almost it feels like oh, that that makes sense, doesn't it? That all this like we're saying, we're all concerned about kind of what route we'd go down. You get all these managerial CVs, all the talk looks really exciting and we wait until Woodgate loses his first game to a point in. It's just like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, It does seem really baffling, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm I'm annoyed because I kind of, I'm not surprised, but then it just, I just don't get it. I I don't, I don't understand the thought process of it um, at all. I'm, We've, we don't look any better, in my opinion, really. I mean, we what? We, the, the result against Burnley was very good. Um, we had a similar one against Palace, remember, at the start of the season in the other cup competition. Yeah. We, were, we stumbled over the line against Birmingham. We we're one of the worst teams in the league, in my opinion. Um, and then we, we were crap against Forest. We beat comfortably earlier in the season. I know they've changed a little bit since then. Stumbled over the line against Rotherham. And then yesterday lost to QPR. I mean... I I don't I mean we it's at the end of the day we're not going to get top two now it's just trying to get into the playoffs but even that's under threat now but listen like I've always said I, I don't I'm not massively keen on this group of players anyway I, I don't believe they I believe they go through the motions too much um, they've got quality but I believe on the pitch they just go through the motions ninety percent football matches and um, you need a bit, little bit more than that but listen Woodgate's come across all right seems okay but. Um, we didn't employ, everyone was criticising the appointment of JT because of the lack of managerial experience, CV and things like that. And I kind of thought, all right, let's give him a chance, give him a chance. You know, he's been here for a while. Didn't work. Okay, fair enough. I didn't want him to go because I, I wanted to give him the season. But I thought, you know, fair enough. In the eye test and that, we're not looking good. Let's go and get someone in with a CV. And we just appointed someone that hasn't really got one. So. Yeah, I mean, Neil, my... Well, sometimes I wonder whether the board think the club is bigger than what it is sometimes. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. let's face it, we've had designs on John Terry, Frank Lampard, Thierry Henry. Let's face it, we're a club with an 11,000-seater stadium. One of the stands is temporary, hasn't even got 10 urinals in it. We've had half a billion pounds of like, revenue come through the Premier League. We've got nothing to show for it. It's an absolute missed opportunity. And that missed opportunity is also happening before our eyes this season to actually get back into the Premier League, it seems. You know, sometimes I just wonder whether they are almost kind of raising the bar a little bit too high and sometimes, you know, forget who we are. It's a Sandbanks mentality of the people at the top and who they want to knock around with. I've always, I've always been convinced by it. And the, because you're absolutely right. I mean, you quote the urinal test. I've never heard that one before, Sam, but I'm sure it's valid. But the, um, the, we are, we are a club of a certain stature that's been blessed because of one man with having a playing squad better than we could ever dream of having for a stadium of that size. They won't be around long, but they're still there now. 
So the obvious thing to do if, you, if, you, if they had two brain cells between them was to have gone out in the summer and got someone of the ilk of Lee Johnson or someone who's an experienced championship manager, a bit of a disciplinarian, wouldn't set the world alight as a name to get excited about, but would have put that, those players on the pitch in the correct formation, lined them up well, put a bit of discipline in them, booted the ones out that weren't trying, and we would have been comfortably top three or four and probably better with that group of squad. That, that was all that was needed, just someone that knew their way around the championship. Then you could take the view into the, in the Premier League, you then go out, be ruthless, get rid of that person that's got you there, and go get a, you know, a Rafa Benitez or, so, or someone like that. That's the time to do it. What we needed was someone that knew their way around the championship. Jerry Henry would have had the biggest culture shock of his life if he turned up. So there were, there were people out there Nigel Pearson, there's still people out there that could do that. But, you know, we've gone yet again with another gamble. May well work. We all like him as a bloke. Um, may well work. But the evidence, I don't see that he's lining the players up, right? Again, yesterday, we matched up against a more inferior side and changed all our personnel and tactics. That doesn't inspire me full of confidence. What we needed was a, a wise head that knew the championship. Yeah. Do we think, though, that maybe... The board, because they, well, we talked about the lack of potentially a leader and we look at Eddie Howe, we think, well, you know, Eddie Howe was most certainly that the, the beating heart of his football club. Are they looking for another Eddie Howe? Is that, is that why this process takes so long? Are they looking for someone to come in and tell them what to do? Because unless you know this football club, it's quite a weird place to come into, isn't it? If, if your experience has been at other football clubs that are bigger, even as a player, you come into our, our setup and... To expect somebody to deliver a vision to them, I don't know. That, that's just a, a feeling I get. Maybe they're looking for something I like for like. We look for another Eddie Howe. We're not going to find another Eddie Howe, are we? No, and, uh, no. that's that's what's yeah. That, that's that's what's that's what's difficult. But I think, um, like Neil alluded to, there's the talk of all these big names. It doesn't have to be a name. I I wonder if you know why are they not looking at. I look at um, Barnsley, Reading, their managers. I never, I never knew them as managers at all. They found them. They're, they're out there. There are a lot of good managers out there, but we're not looking. We're, we're, we're clearly because all the names that were that were linked were just these big glamorous names. And listen, Nigel Pearson would he have come? Well, yeah, he would have come, but he'd have said, "I want a four-year deal and I want some money." And we'd have gone, "Oh no, we're doing that." You know, all these managers they would have come for a price. I think I saw something I mentioned off air. Uh, about Tottenham with uh, Mourinho at the moment, if they sacked him, it would cost him like 30 million because he's not stupid. He's gone there and gone, I want a long contract because I want to secure myself. That's what these experienced managers would have done, you know, like your Pearsons. And they ain't going to pay it. And they've realised how much it's going to cost to get Henri in, panicked and gone, oh, we've got someone here. He's done okay. Let's just let's just continue with that. But um, like I say, it's nothing against Woodgate. He, see, he seems, yeah. you know, he's a likeable guy, isn't he? And uh, he could end up being really good in the game. Don't get me wrong. And um, I really, I'll back him. I hope it goes well for him. But like Neil said, you know, this talk of, um, Tindall would have got absolutely slaughtered yesterday if we had, had three clean sheets in a row and then he changed the back line to match up with QPR. It was absolute, I was baffled by it and it didn't work because one of the players he brought in made a glaring error. So, um, yeah, so even on the pitch, I'm a bit concerned as well. One person we're going to uh, bring in is, uh, as well, this isn't a free-for-all format, but it's from the Cherries Red Army, uh, one of our friend YouTube channels, uh, Kirk Tovey. And also, it's his birthday today as well. So, happy birthday <laughs> to you, Kirk. Happy birthday. What a lovely present, Kirk, for you. <laughs> they, they were going to do this, weren't they? They couldn't wait till tomorrow. Just so, for you. Yeah, talk to me about it when you saw the news earlier today. 
I mean, yeah, I'm probably going to echo a lot of what everyone else has said and without going, you know, back on old ground sort of thing. I mean, nothing against Woodgate. His media output's been a lot more impressive than it was under JT. The one thing I've never been able to get around my head is that Woodgate came in on the Monday. JT was clearly hanging on to his job by one game. So why would you bring in someone for six months to be in, in his backroom staff? JT then goes on the Tuesday but he's not going to be, it's going to be an external appointment and he goes into caretaker charge. I mean, I'm half thinking now, was it always planned to be Woodgate? And it was just a sort of a cover up for three weeks and then went, oh, actually, we're just going to go for Woodgate because we struggled to get the person we want. I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's just a bit strange that he came in on the Monday, JT loses job on the Tuesday. But that's, that's the thing I can never get my head around. All the indecision that we've seen. I mean, we're, we're coining Woodgate. It's not Watergate, is it? It's like, <laughs> what has gone on we've all got an opinion we any of us could be right nobody knows and, yeah. and it feels like the board don't know where's the decision making where's the leadership you know we just it's all over the place do you think we were almost um too entitled uh, we're turning into entitled fans because obviously we've had how hmm. for so long and i, I think james musselwhite on the free-for-all known as jim bob on twitter if you want to follow him said that you know the board have had it easy for so long by having an administration like Howe. That was his quote. And then they thought incorrectly that they continue, they could continue it with Jason Tindall. And now it's almost like they've got to earn their corn by you know doing the things that they've not had to do for the past 10 years or whatever. And the moment that they're put under a little bit of pressure, it seems that they've collapsed, Neil. They've all, everyone at that club's ridden the back of Eddie Howe. So, I mean, Jason Tindall was woeful wasn't he, when he was here with Jimmy Quinn and we were all booing him and he had a go at the fans after we lost at Blythe Spartans. He rode the back of Eddie Howe. The board all rode the back of Eddie Howe because he he, he turned Sal's ears into silk purses. Um, and, you know, there's no way we'd have been in the Premier League. So they all got salary increases on the back of him. We've heard from players, haven't we, none of whom would have played in the Championship, let alone the Premier League. I mean, they earned it because they went out on a pitch and sweated and, and earned it. Everyone's ridden, the, everyone's ridden the back of Eddie out. But no, but certainly, certainly it's turned the board into looking like they knew what they were doing. Um, and now we're seeing them for the true talent that they haven't got. And the thing is, is that the board have set the, well, Maxim's statement at the beginning of the season set the expectation for us as fans to, to live up to, you know. They said that Jason Tindall, under Jason Tindall, we were going to go up. That's essentially what they said, wasn't it? Now, what's really interesting now is that you, you put Woodgate in now with, what, 15 games left to play? What's the expectation on him? I mean, he's only got, he's only got a contract at the end of the season. Is there any expectation on him to, to, to still deliver that? Or, or has the story changed? Do we... Are we looking at something completely different now? Let's just limp through to the summer and, and start again. We're looking to basically turn up in two to three games in the playoffs, aren't we? We're just trying to hang on in the playoffs and then hope we just turn up for a couple of games and somehow skank a win over Watford in the final and go up again. But, I mean, it shows, if you ever want to see that there's no real plan at the top, it's that, as Kirk said, we've, we already had Woodgate at the club. We brought him in on the Monday. So Jason had gone. Bournemouth... The official statement was it will not be an internal appointment. They've just appointed someone that was already at the club. You, you, they, they obviously didn't know what they were doing. And I still, I'm still not sure if, if Wood, I don't believe Woodgate's had any sort of interview. Personally, the way he talks stuff, it seems like he's just, I'm just doing the job, you know, see what yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. And they've almost, Omri's expensive. They don't know what, and they've just gone, Woodgate, we take to the end of the season. He's gone, yeah, sure. And then that's it. That's as much planning that's gone into it, it seems. 
Wasn't there a tweet from someone? I can't remember because there are so many like media characters in and around AFC Ball with like Alex Crook and Chris Temple, Mark McAdam. I swear there was a tweet saying that uh, Jonathan Woodgate is expected to know whether he's manager or not by um, after one of the midweek games that we had last week, and it you know like it obviously didn't happen. So. This is a decision that's been taken recently. This isn't something that I think has been planned all along. I think, as Neil said, they've, you know, they've thrown all the eggs into one basket and, yeah. you know, we've ended up with the guy we had originally. And, it can't you know, have been planned, Sam, because they wouldn't have done it after a defeat. Do you know what I mean? If, yeah. if, if they always felt about Woodgate, like Neil said earlier, they would have done it after a really good result. The last thing they would have done is do, he's just lost his first game, now we'll announce it. So that, that's that's pretty evident. But, yeah. I, but you know, there are records of Eddie Howe, though, because did he lose his, his first two games? I mean, this is a different kettle of fish now. Yeah. We had no money and stuff. But I'll tell you what, one thing before we come back to Neil is like, it's, it, it's so funny. We were all turning our noses up at certain people. We did the tier list and there were no way, no way. And, you know, Nigel Pearson was someone that we were, you know, not sure about. But in the end, we thought, yeah, you know, that's, you know, that would be a, you know, a good appointment and I'll be happy with it. Look at what Mick McCarthy's doing with Cardiff. Yeah, you, know, he, you know, he's got them playing really good football. I've got a friend who's a Cardiff fan who, who's really excited about the future and is feeling confident about winning and winning healthily at Dean Court on Wednesday night. It's just like, you know, he's prehistoric, but he's getting a tune out of his players. So... You know, you just wonder why wasn't experience ever a consideration in this appointment? It, you know, it, it seems to be that, I mean, when was the last experienced manager that we appointed? I'm not even sure. Mel Makeshin. Mel Makeshin, yeah. What was that, back in 1995, was it? Yeah. Scary. Sorry, Neil. <laughs> no, I was going to say, if you look at the way it's done properly, um, Chelsea's a, a really good example. So Thomas Tuchel was interviewed, signed up. His backroom team all had contracts. Everything was agreed before Frank Lampard went. That's that's the way you do it if you don't want to break continuity at, at, at a football club. And that's that's what, when you've got an experienced board, that's what happens. Because Thomas Tuchel was appointed, what, the day after Frank Lampard went? So there was, there was no interview process that happened that morning with him and his whole team. Um, we just, you know, we, we wasted sort of six six games or, or whatever just just spooning along trying to work out what what to do um and it may it also brings into question richard hughes because so tom's point about we'd never heard of the guy at barnsley we'd never heard of the guy at brentford you know we as fans we, we're not here to pick managers that's not what we do someone found richard pochettino when he was at espanol didn't they brought him into the english game that's because you've got a, a you know, head of recruitment, which is what Richard Hughes is, that has their finger on the pulse of everything that's happening in all the second secondary leagues around Europe, because we're not going to get a, you know, a top league manager. What, you know, what, what do they do to earn their money? I mean, the one thing I'm really worried about is Woodgate in charge, apart from the Burnley game, which is an FA Cup game, so sometimes can be a bit different, um, is that performances haven't been any different, like Tom said. And really, we scraped a result against Birmingham, who, who are in free fall, apart from yesterday. Rotherham haven't taken a point um, off the top six, apart from us, and haven't scored an away goal against the team in the top six. And we somehow got a 1-0 when they probably should have scored. And the one big test he came up against in QPR yesterday, a team in form, won five out of the last six, he decided to throw in Chris Meppham and, and change to a back three. And 
that for me is worrying and I'm I hate the thought that I was right about JT but I don't see it being any different under Woodgate and I worry I worry and I'm severely concerned for our playoff chances um, and I hope I'm not right about that I think yesterday if we if we talk about that game individual errors were a big thing I mean obviously Mepham's and the you know the the failure of the defense to actually switch on for that second goal however there were individual errors throughout the game, I felt. You know, Shane Long, one-on-one. You've got to score. You've got to score. Billing misses a, a simple pass to Smith overlapping, which would have been a carbon copy of the goal we scored against Burnley. Just gives it straight to the defender. Sloppy, really bad. Dan Juma ignoring overlaps. Again, individual errors, basic mistakes. And they were, they were at critical moments in that game yesterday. We should have been 2 0 up at half time and we weren't and we paid the penalty. And I think it is worrying that the players just keep doing the same things again and then again and again. That is a fundamental error of this group of players. I think Tom's absolutely right. I don't think the group is a group that's a team and is a, is can be fitted into a team. We're so many so many times we've we've adjusted that jigsaw and it's still still not clicking, is it? It's you know, how many times you know back three, four at the back against Rotherham. You know, I take your point, Kirk, but you know we played Rotherham's game in that match. You know, we were we were lumping it forward at every opportunity and trying to play play to nullify them. We played their game. We were down at their level exactly the same yesterday. Um, Whoever comes comes in needs to clear out. That's what they need. It was individual errors yesterday, but the the point I was making is that you made good points there in the sense that the two individual errors, the keyest ones, were obviously Mepham for the goal and Shane Long should have scored. Both of them players shouldn't have been playing. Why were them two starting? That's that's, that's my... You know, the two players that made individual errors should not have been near that team. So that's that's my concern. Why three clean sheets in a row... And then you muck around with the defence to match up to a team that they should be. Yeah, they're on a good run. They ain't that good. Yeah. They're not that good at all. And at 1-1, they weren't even trying to win the game. And they went and won it. Um, so, yeah, it was the, the decisions were, were really odd. Changing, you know, uh, a back line that just kept three clean sheets was was really bizarre. And you're bringing in a player that, you know, I quite like Meps, but he's, he's known to, to make individual errors. It was a really weird call. Um, so that that concerned me yesterday. That the kind of first time that it looked like Woodgate had made a few little changes and tried to in, implement something, and it didn't look good. The thing that concerned me was you've got clearly we've got a problem scoring goals at the moment, and then if you look around the side, you, you Dan Juma will get goals because he's got seven or eight this season. Stanislas has got nine this season, and Surridge has got sort of three or four and has got a bit of a track history of scoring in the Championship last season. So Surridge was out for Shane Long, who will guarantee you two goals in 46 and has all his career. Stanislas was moved from being in a position where he was up the pitch to being at left wing back. And Dan Juma was dropped. So when you need goals, the three people that could get you goals were either off the pitch or at left back. And that's, those are the sort of alarm bells in your head that just thinks, is he, is he up to the job? What raised my eyebrows is after the game, he came out and he did a little interview with Solent. And he actually, when he talked about Long, he said, well, it's good now because he's, he's had 90 minutes. We're getting him back to match fitness. Well, you know, that's not, that shouldn't be a number one priority at the moment, getting, getting Shane Long to match fitness. You, you, as Neil just said, the, the number one priority should be getting some goals on that pitch. Um, so that's a bit of a concern as well, in my opinion. 
the only thing Shane Long offers is he runs around a bit, but Sam Surridge can do that just fine. Absolutely fine. And he's got more substance to him as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was never, I don't think anyone was really um, excited about Shane Long, but I, I did believe, you know, he, he'd work hard. He's, you know, experienced player. He might might add a little bit. Um, but yeah, he's never going to offer you goals. And like Neil said, the, the only one on the pitch that looked like he could offer us goals was move to left wing back. So yeah, really bizarre. We're going to, Obviously, hopefully, I've gone back soon and things like that. But um, yeah, I, 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 that's the we've got individual errors that look like we concede, and we don't have a lot that looks like we can score. So, sorry, Jeff. Where, where we're at, I think the last twenty-four hours is a reset of expectations. Mm. We we should all recognise as fans, mid-table will be okay this season. Not not that I think that will be okay, but I think that's what the board are saying to us. They're saying, look. Let's let's just let's just get through this season, resort the players at the end of this season. The new manager will come in, build his own team, and then we'll give it another go. Um, but I, I wish they'd just be honest with us about that because that's how I feel. I think that's what we're seeing. Those are the signs we're seeing. They're just not coming out and telling us that. Who's to say that this we aren't going to go through this charade at the end of the season? Because you know, why is it a short-term appointment? Why is it not a two-year contract or whatever? If he's the man, cheaper. then why not treat him like the man? Yeah, it's cheaper. And it's it's so transparent, it's unbelievable. So we're going to have this whole merry-go-round again in like only a few months now. And then, and then give the job to Stephen Purchase. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's that a madness. And then if you, if you listen to any ex-pros talking about managers, you know, like Ferguson's done it, a few profile managers have done it when they've said I'm going to go at the end of the season and and all of the players have known that that guy's only got another four to five months left they will all tell you to a man that they don't put it in as much because they know that there's he's not around he's not the permanent one there's going to be someone else coming soon so you could just add that to the list of shit show um decisions that we make and head coach as well yeah I mean I mean Sam I Going back to when obviously I was campaigning for a complete shift in direction back in September and there was an argument for continuity, that was the right time to do it. It had a whole complete season with someone new in there to grab hold of it and do whatever they wanted to it. The problem I think they found themselves in now is they need to, the time is now shorter and they can't play around with it and whoever comes in has got 16 games. It's a lot more difficult now than it would have been back in September and I think they think they're on a hiding to nothing. If they go for Henri and it doesn't work out, they'll get battered because people will go, he hasn't got the experience. If they go for someone like Pearson and it doesn't work out, they go, why did they play for someone who's maybe at the end of their managerial career? And I just think they thought, we're on a hiding to nothing. If we don't get promoted, let's just go for Woodgate. We're safe though, aren't we? I think we're staying up. We just are. Yeah. Yeah. My, I think my suggestion of Joe Pasquale is looking a little bit... I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I, he, I'm warm into that idea, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're safe. That's 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 the positive. We're we're safe. Um, we're going to be in the top two tiers of English football. Um, what else is there? Trying to think of something else. Um, do that help me out? Yeah. Well, you know what? It's it's pretty difficult. But you know, look, Woodgate has the job now. What does he need to do? And what good things have we seen from Woodgate so far? Let's try to somehow be positive about this appointment. You know, what's he bought the side? So, well, he's bought a better media persona. We can say that, you know, very eloquent. 
in front of the press and in the media. I think he's very good in front of the camera. Jeff? Can we, can we get a point for that, Sam? <laughs> I wish we could, but yeah. I mean, you know, what goods he bought us, Jeff? What goods he bought us? I did think the players looked a bit more motivated. I mean, that game yesterday, it wasn't just because QPR wearing blue and white hoops, but I thought back to the Reading game and you know, against a team that was similarly up for a battle and we seemed to match their intensity in that first half. Um, and I think that there feels like there's a bit more motivation in that squad. But, you know, same old limitations, sadly. I think before yesterday, I would have said that we seem to have cut out the individual errors, which is a bit <laughs> annoying after yesterday. But um, we seemed, I think there was, I remember against the Rotherham game, in the Rotherham game where we saw it out, I looked, I felt back to the Millwall one where we were one nil up and they didn't offer anything and they nicked the goal. And um, we looked a little bit, I think also is a point is that Carter Vickers um, is now available. Obviously, I'm sure Jason is frustrated that he was never fit for him. But now he's certainly, he's not someone that's last out. I think he's come in and done well, which is, you know, remember we're without Cookie as, as well. But I think them two were starting to form a decent partnership. Um, so that's something. I think Carter Vickers and Steve Cook are, are very good centre-halves. Um, and we've got, we've had, this is all apart from yesterday where he weirdly changed it. Uh, we looked a little bit more organised defensively. Um, trying to think of something else. Wilsh is getting up to, getting up to speed a little bit more now. So he'll get better with every game. Um, and that's always going to help us. Uh, Shalanki will be back soon. Hopefully Stacey will be back soon. A bit more competition for places, uh, things like that. What else? What else? Um, oh, Billing looks really good for a game, didn't he? He looks like a genius, so that's good. Um, but yeah, not else. But listen, it's, we, we stumbled over the line a few times until yesterday, didn't we? And I still feel we'll probably be able to do that enough to, to hang on to the playoffs. I mean, Wednesday's huge. Um because it's because of the opposition. But I think it is just hanging into the playoffs and then hoping this group of players that have obviously got talent decide to t- decide to show up in the playoffs and we somehow manage to... It is still possible, isn't it? As soon as it goes to the playoffs, it's, you know, it's one-off games. So, um, Do you know, for, still- for the first time yesterday, Tom, I got our Super 6 right for Bournemouth. <laughs> Says it all. Yeah. I, tell uh, what I, would say I is... thought. I thought. I bet. I bet we do lose against QPR. And you know, actually, just rather than letting you know partisanship take out, I thought, oh yeah, I'll give it a two-one to QPR. And yeah, first time I've got five points in us all season. <laughs> I think the one thing that we can say is that, um, and I don't know if the players knew. Richard Jackson put as a comment from him earlier. The players came out after the game and they backed Jonathan Woodgate. Now I don't know if they knew that this was in the pipeline. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, for a moment, I'm just gonna assume they didn't. In which case, they they backed him because they do actually like him as a as a manager and on the training pitch. So maybe going back to our early point, they will fight for him. I think, yeah, I think they like Jason Tindall as well. I think sometimes liking a football manager isn't uh, the um, what we should aim for in a football manager. Um, but if we're if we're looking for if we're looking for Positives. Um, he definitely has uh, improved in terms of uh, media presentation and, and the way he talks. Um, in your question, what should he do, Sam? I think two things for me. He should settle on the side that is that has our strengths as its focus and tell that side that they're playing for the next eight games, um, seven or eight games, regardless of so that they get a finally they get a settled formation because they never have one under JT and they haven't had one under Jonathan Woodgate. So he should just say we're playing. 
whatever it is. I don't even care if it's eight one one, but we're playing it for the next seven or eight games until you're all used to it and you've all developed rhythms. And then I think the other thing you should do is bring in some coaches and clear out some of the coaches we've got because they've been here a long time. I think Eddie carried them. Uh, and that he should bring in someone that's got experience in the Premier League and the Championship to coach alongside him. Yeah, and I, I just agree that um, his media presentation has been a lot better than what we've had um, previously. Um, I'll back him like I did Jason Tindall. He'll have my back until the end of the season. He needs to settle on some players that need to be the spine of that squad. Um, that's Steve Cook when he comes back in alongside Carter Vickers with Begovic there. Players like Lerma look a lot better than they have previously. And Sam Surridge needs to be leading that line. He's 22. He's not 19. We're now halfway, over halfway of the season. It's not about fitness. He can play football matches. He can play Tuesday and Sun, uh, Saturday as well. At the same time, just get him on that pitch and he'll give us everything that we need in a number nine. Um, I worry that we, if we're going to score enough goals, because Woodgate's small record tells you that he doesn't score enough goals when he manages football teams. But if we can get to the playoffs, like Tom says, um, it's a couple of games and then it's a one-off game at Wembley. And who knows? But um, we have to remain positive and hope that we've got a chance. And then Dan Gosling will uh, pop up and score the winner, won't he? <laughs> Let's not go there. Jeff, well, do you, what do you a week feel... ahead, Sam. What a week. You know, we've got yeah. Cardiff, we've got Watford. I mean, yeah. it, let's, 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 uh, let's see where we are Saturday, 3 o'clock, because lose those two games. Quite realistically, I think Cardiff will absolutely fancy it after their result yesterday. I think Watford are on a terrific run, and both teams will know. If we pass it around at the back, you know, it's like it's like an under twelves having a goal kick. You know, it's their best form of attack against us. Yeah, it's uh, you know what it's at the start of the season we were putting in some very poor performances, but time was on our side. We had matches to spare. You know, like it's almost like the chase. If you go for the lower amount, you've got that little much more leeway. But now we're closing on in now, and it it means that every little set of results and every swing. It's going to be such a positive and such a negative. Whereas previously in the season, we could be like, oh, you know, it's fine. There's time in the bank. Two wins now against Cardiff and Watford could change everything because probably not many people would, would expect us to beat Watford based on the fact that, you know, they're going on a run. So maybe if we beat Watford, it could almost, you know, negate the loss that we had yesterday at Loftus Road, Tom, perhaps. So, you know, six points would be huge. Oh, it'd be massive. And I mean... It's, it's, it shows the championship, doesn't it? I know at one point yesterday, I was looking at the other results. I think Reading and Swansea were getting beat comfortably. And you're thinking, hang on a minute, we go and win this game, which we're in here. We could suddenly, you're thinking, top two ain't too far away. And that's that's the thing with the championship. But um, Woodgate said it after the game, didn't he? We had a real opportunity to, to close a gap yesterday. And um, that, was a, that was a real shame. But um, yeah, like you say, six points and everything's looking a lot rosier because they're really tough games. My concern is... I don't. I, I. I. Do you? Would you be shocked if Cardiff turned us over? Because I wouldn't. And I really hope we could somehow find six points. But I'd be. I would be shocked if we got the the way them two are playing and the way. Well, I, I don't know. It's um, what Harry Wilson and Dan Gosling for yeah. for both of us. Like, no, I just. I. Uh, yeah, we could do. But yeah, it's, it's a weird league, the championship, because suddenly you're going. Oh, Swansea are on fire, and then they go and get. They lose a few games, and Brentford have lost a few, and you know it is a is that kind of league, isn't it? And someone's got to find some consistency, and hopefully we can be that team and go on a bit of a run. Just at the moment, there's not anything in me and the team that really believes that. But like I say, stranger things have happened. We could go on a on a mad run now and um, be singing Woodgates at the wheel, and 
in Wembley for the playoff final and for the FA Cup final. Who knows? The, the other thing is the players have always the players have come out a lot in the last week or so and asked for certainty. So they've now got certainty. Mm. So the excuse network has gone, hasn't it? So if we're going to cling to something else because we're looking for positives, then the 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 players now know who's in charge. They are they aren't on their WhatsApp groups trying to work out who it is or gossiping with players who might have had that manager before, like Philip Billing with Wagner and Wiltshire will know Thierry Henry really well. You know, the, all of this is distraction, isn't it? So that all that's gone now. They know who's in charge until May. Um, so they've got certainty. So that might help. Have have any, have any of you guys gone for a job, which you haven't got, but then you later did get, you know, just by the fact you were a second choice? Because I have. I have. This happened yeah. during uni, right? And my my uni course, it was all computers. All the stuff we did is completely out of date now. But it was a four year course at Bournemouth University. Third year was a work, um, like was a placement year, and I went for a job as an IT technician, and I didn't get it. And it was um, it was actually a lad on, on on my same course that actually got the job. And then two weeks later, we said, "Oh yeah, actually, I'm not taking it because I've been offered this position at IBM in Cardiff or whatever." <laughs> And then literally an hour later, I got a call and they were like, oh, yeah, we've had a bit of a like, reconsider, which you like the job. And it's a bit of a weird feeling, really, because, you know, you weren't first choice. And I just wonder, how is that going to affect Woodgate mentally? How's he going to feel being like second, third, maybe even fourth choice? Yet yeah, he's now got look, the job. Look at you now, Sam, you're Premier League. Yeah, 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 yeah brilliant. No, I don't, I, don't think I don't think it'll bother him in the sense that... Um, he didn't do obviously that well at Middlesbrough. I mean, it's a different job. He wouldn't have. He never saw his way back into management. Hence why he was coming in as a coach. Um, he probably wasn't sure if he'd ever manage again. He suddenly got this opportunity out of nowhere. He must be buzzing. You know, I don't think he hasn't got the um, the CV or, or can't be the type of person that's thinking I should have been first choice because of course he shouldn't have been. Um, I think he's just um, he should be buzzing that he's got an opportunity and he should think you know what with these with these players I've got here. I could get promoted to the Premier League and then be a Premier League manager when I failed at Middlesbrough at the Championship. What an opportunity. So um, he should be be really excited about it, I think. And like I say, it doesn't get you any points, but he has been good in the media and he's quite. he seems like quite a likeable guy. Seems like someone that you'd want to play for. Um, so yeah, like I say, none of this is really down to Woodgate as a person. I, I certainly don't ex- didn't expect him to turn down the opportunity. So good luck to him and hope he, hope he sorts it out. And I hope I'm saying turns out he's the right man for the job. It's a free hit for him, isn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. well, he's got nothing to lose. He's got no emotional connection to the club. He, he's got no loyalty to Purchase or Fletch or anyone else who, who might, you know, be left in his wake if it doesn't go well. So, yeah, for him, every opportunity to do something good. And if he doesn't, we've just given him all the excuses why it wouldn't work anyway. And that's yeah. not even his yeah. fault. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, like in some ways, it's no different to, for, to what we were suggesting before Jack Wilshire signed about a pay-as-you-play contract. And, you know, almost he will get the financial incentive depending on how you know, good he is. And obviously, if he is good, maybe he'll be rewarded for being a manager in the Premier League. Just don't Bentley know. or something. Yeah, yeah, Bentley, you never know. Um, so, yeah, we will touch on yesterday's match. There's split opinion out there, Tiggs. There's split opinion saying, you know, it was it was poor. But we, we showed some good signs, and even Jeff, like the first 20, 30 minutes, you were actually impressed by the intensity. So I'll come to Jeff next. But Tiggs, thoughts on yesterday? It's what we've seen for, for most of the season. If if he's going to make a stamp on this team, it's his chance now. It's going to take a while, though, isn't it? I mean, 
You're right. I think, you know, Tom was right earlier. We cut out some individual areas, errors, uh, previous games running up to this. So it was it's sad to see that come back. But Jeff's spot on, you know, the first 20, 30 minutes, we were definitely looking like the favourites to win that game. Mm. It's, just the, it's just the mental fragility, isn't it? You know, we, we sort of, we lose. Once we've, we're, we're down a, a goal, it can go either one or two ways. We got back in, but we just can't keep it going. And I think then there was almost a thing where we just pushed everyone forward, didn't we? And just left ourselves so open. It was in the end. It surprised me. We didn't ship another three goals in in the Odyssey in the last last sort of thirty minutes. Yeah, we've talked about formations and the you know baffling decision to play three at the back instead of the combination that's served us so well, Jeff. There were some positive moments though in terms of the chances that we created, just not the people to finish by the looks. Of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got to say, watching that game yesterday, I had a curious feeling, which was. Even up to even up to the um, up until the second goal from QPR, I thought we were going to win. I just felt we were playing well enough. We had enough. Surely we're going to win this game because it felt like the players believed they were going to win it. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how to translate. It. I felt actually more confident playing yesterday than I did against Rotherham, even though we won that Rotherham game. Yeah, you know, every time the ball went in the box on uh, Wednesday night, I was thinking, "Geez, they're going to score." Um, and yet, yesterday, it it was one of those weird games. You know, it was play that game nine times out of ten, and we do win it. And um, we didn't yesterday. Sod's law. I think you can point to the way he changed it. You can point to the players not delivering when they should have done at key moments. Lack of concentration, switching off, you know, same same sort of issues that are really the the Achilles heel of this team. You know, we always we always talk about it. They're not quite ruthless enough going forwards. We're not quite together enough to retain possession in critical areas. Somebody made a comment. I can't remember who it was on on Twitter, but you know, we used to be a play from the back team. Now we play it at the back endlessly. You know, that's all we do. We play it across the back. We don't play from the back. We seem to beat the press. And then wait for them to get reorganised and then try and beat them again. You know, it's like, I don't get it. I don't get that philosophy. That's what's got to change. Um, and and it's a fundamental problem that cannot be accomplished in one day of training before the next game, then another day of training before the next game, because that's how quickly the games are coming. And I don't think there's enough time for them to work on the players to improve it enough. Mm. So we're caught in this kind of... Okay, well, maybe it'll be better next game. I'll tell you what, I'll change it, change it around again, and see if this lot of players will do it. And it, we're not there. It's 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 not going to work. I think you're deluded if you think we're going up this season. Sorry, yeah. fans, but I think no, you are. You know, you're probably right. And you know what? It, we seem to be gift wrapping these moments every now and then. And Napum's pass was, um, you know, this season in a microcosm, really. And even when he made the pass, he was he was remonstrating with another of teammates as if it was their fault. And it's the shirking of responsibilities that's happened all season, all around the pitch, it seems. Um, Neil, not a pretty watch, was it? No, I think the thing that perturbed me the most was a lack of width. So we talk about it a lot, but when you've got inverted wingers, they only work when they can knock the ball outside to an on-rushing fullback that, that crosses it. Otherwise... You've just got inverted wingers that are continually trying to run across the area. Like David Brooks just runs across the area and tries to do a one-two with someone. Dan Juma runs across the area and shoots. Um, and I didn't see it. I just don't see that team spirit. I mean, if you want a summary of it, all of it to me, it was Stanislas's free kick. 
if ever there was a man that was playing for himself, I mean, he was he was not going to score that with me in goal, but he it, it, it all became about him when he had a group of six footers that were waiting to attack across. He shot from an impossible position, and I just I was I was watching the Everton players in the dressing room at Anfield, the the Twitter footage of that um, with them just dancing on tables, going ballistic, going mad. I don't sense any. We don't even celebrate goals together when we score them together. Just just reminds me of some really poor seasons we've had before, like with, with Paul Groves and, and people like that. And um, hence why I think we needed someone to come in and shake it up. But yeah, so but yesterday, individual mistakes don't surprise us anymore because they happen. Um, lack of width doesn't surprise us anymore because we haven't really had any um, for ages. And I think uh, unless he's got a plan now that he's got the job to address that, um, then we're not go- we haven't got a hope in Allah going up. And maybe if he does address it, we might be able to fluke it through the playoffs. Do you think, do you think that Junior Stanislas is almost this angry, swashbuckling, uh, swashbuckling figure that thinks that he's, he's got the weight of the, the responsibility? Because he's been scoring most of our goals this season, like when we celebrate, or well, we don't celebrate. He looked almost angry when he scored that penalty at Turf Moor. Yeah. You know, uh, to put us through to a match which would see us 90 minutes from Wembley. It just, I don't know, it just seems to be that there seems to be disharmony. But as Frano says, changing rooms are different these days. Changing rooms are, you know, vastly different. And they're all on their phones after, after matches and stuff. And it isn't like what we had, like, you know, five years ago and beyond. It's, um, it seems to be a very different environment. And, but that translates on the pitch. But there are teams I like... I bet Cardiff are on their phones uh, with Mick McCarthy's manager. They got a manager in with a championship CV and look at them fly. Um, But yeah, uh, Middlesbrough won't be on their phones either, will they, Neil? After that result yesterday, they'll be jumping up and down thinking, we beat Reading, we know we're giving us a chance Mm. of getting in the playoffs because they've got Warnock. Yeah, I I agree with what everyone said about yesterday as well. Just... um, I think the, the width things are really key ones. Well, I don't think I don't feel like we've had width full season, and I don't I don't really know what the what the players like because none of us have really seen him. But why did we bring in Raquel May, who's a winger, and then we don't play with any width? Surely is he that bad? The um I don't see we but we yeah we never play with any width. Um, the fullbacks don't fly like they like they used to, and that's that's definitely a concern. But yeah, I think. I think the fact is, when you go to a, a back three, you know, whatever system you play, but when you go to a back three, I mean, even when I've like I've played it, I've in Sunday League football. It, in your edge, you want to play from the back more because you've got an extra centre half. You feel like that's that's the. So I don't believe Me- Mepham doesn't do that in a two. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you you overplay it when you're in a three at the back. It's almost a. And I, I, it really was strange that we changed to that. And um, but yeah, say about Stanislas things like that. Stanislas is probably the man that I feel like at the moment is the one that's going to prov- provide a bit of magic. And he's been at the club God knows how long now. We talk about these amazing group of players that we've suddenly got. Steve Cook, Asmir Begovic have been our best two players this season. And Junior Stanislas is the one that looks like he's going to pull it out of the bag out of nowhere. And we're all demanding that Sam Sorris starts, a player to come through Euphrax. So these, these amazing players. There was one positive yesterday. We actually did a decent move from a set piece. Did anyone remember yeah. that? that yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the first half where uh, Lewis Cook lasted it just wide. You know, that... That's the first decent set piece move I've seen, apart from Junior sticking it in the top corner all mm. season. Was that set piece intended for Lewis Cook to actually strike from? Yeah, from there? It, yeah. I, I like it was. Yeah, it reminds me of Charlie Daniels' goal against Middlesbrough, where a wee man played a pass. It was too much for him. They closed him down, and he thought, "Oh, I'm going to have to go Sorry. around a couple of men and then shoot." And everyone was like, 
what, what an incredible set piece, but that wasn't how it was meant to be. Uh, Kirk, sorry, you were about to say something. I was going to say, if anyone, for anyone who's watched this in the last six years, we're, we're known for sort of coming out the blocks quite quickly and scoring early goals, okay, under previous management. The worrying stat for me at the moment is we haven't scored a goal in the first 20 minutes since December the 12th. And when you're coming up against a QPR team that have only scored one goal in the first half since December the 12th, but scored 75% of their goals in their recent form in the last 20 minutes, the plan was to hit them early yesterday and get that goal. Now, you know, we did create two good chances, one from Billing, you know, early doors where he hesitated and should have got the shot away and he was thinking about a square back. And then Shane Long gets himself through. Shane Long's not a goal scorer. We know that. Instead of trying to hit a angle of any angle, he hits it straight at the goalkeeper. But after 20 minutes, we start, we stopped knocking on the door. And then QPR came good in the second half. And that was always what I was worried about. Um, and they took their chances. Granted, we gave them those chances. Um, but we're not scoring enough goals early on. Because I think if we do, teams will then panic. They'll then open up and our quality will come through. And we'll put teams to bed. I've said it all season. We'll go in 2-3-0 up. But we're not scoring goals early enough. We're getting stuck into these hard, difficult games. And then we're making mistakes. Sam, we spoke about it, didn't we, on the WhatsApp yeah, group, that billing chance. Yeah. That billing chance where he almost looked like he was going to square it or shoot. Shane Long's on the halfway line. He's probably, yeah. Billing's probably thinking, oh, I'll square it to a set of forward. Shane Long's walking on the, on the halfway line. And it's See, like... I mean, it is, well, okay, I'm not going to defend him, but he did come back earlier in that move to right. like, chase the ball back. But when you watch the video, he is, he's, you'd think he'd be busting a gut to get into the box. You know, even if the shot is saved or partially cleared, he could be on the edge of the box, you know, trying to mop that up. But he's not. He's... He's fast walking. I wouldn't even say he's jogging. If you have a look, there's a camera from behind Asmir, and you look at him, you're thinking, is he a striker? He's just watching what's going on. Um, absolutely scary. And he's a player that's coming in for pelters online. One thing I think we can all agree on, Chris Meppham, obviously what he did was shocking. But when it comes to criticising him, you know, criticise, but don't tag him in. Like, the, it has happened on Twitter not only tagging him in, but the most vitriolic words that you could use against a player as well. Uh, I don't think that would do his confidence any good, eh, Tom? You can't, you can't, on one hand, which I've been saying a lot, demand more from these players, say the players ain't showing a lot of fight, enough desire, blah, 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 and say we want, to, we want them to show us more as fans and then go and say stuff like that to a player for making a mistake. It's, um, if, you know, if, if you've never made a mistake in your life, then fair enough, but... Um, I'm pretty sure we all have. So, listen, it wasn't anything to do with desire. It was, it was a, a poor moment of judgment from Chris Meppham on it, a bad pass. It's, it's, it's what it is. It was frustrating. And you can say that you don't think Meppham should be inside, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, let's not get nasty about it at the end of the day. If we want the players to give their all for us, that's the last thing you want to do is start, um, you know, uh, subjecting them to things like that. So, um, yeah, we need to keep away from that. Frustrations boil over, don't they? But, um yeah, you need to keep it constructive as we can. Like you say, it was a bad pass, but <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? There's criticism of everyone. There's criticism of the board. There's criticism of all sorts, but you know, we'll try to keep it contained. I mean, people can just look at Twitter for, or Facebook if they want raw reaction. And, you know, we are about reflecting reaction, but there needs to be a little bit of respect with it. But if you want positivity, check what John Spark said on the free-for-all. And I've clicked it up and I put it on Twitter. And he, he's convinced Tiggs that, we could have easily won the game had certain chances gone for us because at one all we were you know we were overly chasing the game. Stanislas lost his marker at the far post and QPR made it two one. But you know we just 
I just need to think a little bit more. Yeah, and I think what everyone has said is, is spot on. We talk about Mepham there. If we'd taken our chances earlier in that game, we wouldn't have talked about Mepham. Mepham probably wouldn't even have been in the position to make that mistake, in all honesty, but he did, so there we go. Um, I, we can see there are moments in this team that means that we can score goals. What Neil said earlier about consistency and the formation and the team selection is going to be paramount in kind of getting any confidence in these players. You can't keep chopping and changing them out. But we can do, you know, we can do it. We can play football. We, we know that we can. Um, it's just keeping it consistent. And what John said on the free throw was spot on. We can win games. There's no reason why we can't. That it's, um, it's not about really just the football we play. It's about the players feeling that they've got confidence in them from the manager. And I think chopping and changing around is not helping. And we do need fans back in the ground, as Mark Davis said. And that was the last time we won two games in the league in a row. Back in December, Huddersfield and Wickham. We haven't done it since then. And there's other teams that have had bad spells like Watford and they're putting together these you know, little runs. They're not like you know, they're not groundbreaking. What, three wins in a row for them? Maybe four now? And look where they are. They're teetering on the edge of automatic promotions. There's still time, but things have got to be put right straight away. And Cardiff... He said, I mean, it's a six-pointer, Tom, isn't it? Well, yes, big game, isn't it? Big, big game. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And I uh, agree with what everyone's saying. I think the cohesion's a, a key thing. We all know if we went back to that team that got promoted, we can name the 11, um, bar maybe Kermigan or Pittman. Then you can name every player that played that team. And obviously, fitness and injuries plays a part in that. But you've got to build relationships. I think what we've alluded to it earlier, earlier in earlier podcasts, the, the fact that we've got a big squad is making us over-rotate because we feel we can. Because we think, oh, just take him out, put him in this game, make four changes, fine. You've got to build relationships, build partnerships within the team, a bit of cohesion and things like that. So I agree, I agree with what, what everyone's saying there, that we need, to, we need to stick with something and go with it. If you have to make the odd change now and again because of injuries, that's fine. But have a system, have a, have a way of playing, have an identity. Stick with that. Lose a couple of games, stick with that. And let's, let's get a bit of cohesion going. But yeah, like you say, go on a little run. We'll be fine. We'll get at the wheel. Come on. Guys, thanks so much for this impromptu one today. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, boss. And Kirk, enjoy the rest of your birthday, mate. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry it was a bit of a weird one, but I hope you can spend time with your wife and family now and enjoy the rest of the day at least anyway. Oh, I knew I knew the club were going to do this to me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking off. For, sorry, Neil. Have you, have you got a wood cake? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I'm fucking off for the rest of the day to spend some time with the family and back on it on Monday. So there you go. It might have been a bit disjointed, but it was live and we were reacting to news that had only been released about 45 minutes previous. So there we go. Let's now get behind Jonathan Woodgate and see what we can make of this strange, strange season. Right now, if you're a subscriber to our YouTube channel, you'll know that last night, if you're listening on Monday, that is, Sunday night, we, we chat to Simon Francis. Frano, what a guy. We had 90 minutes of his time and it was absolutely absorbing. 
Of course, we'll be putting the audio out on this podcast, so stay tuned in the next couple of weeks for that. But if you want to watch it, honestly, it was it was revealing, absorbing. It was sad in times. One of the people we were watching on YouTube said they were in floods of tears listening to him. Maybe that was just Jeff's presenting style. Not sure. Either way, go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast to check that out. Right, crazy week and there's more to come. Cardiff on Wednesday, Watford on Saturday. Oh my God. It's going to be an interesting one. If we manage to get six points, as I said in the live show, that, that could negate what we witnessed this weekend. Who knows? Anyway, for now, this is Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Still Stanislas tries to cross it up towards the far post, and that could be the equaliser. It's bundled in at the far post by Long. Good work from Surridge. After the cross from Stanislas, it's Queen's Park Rangers 1, Bournemouth 1. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.